tune in to the One Strong Woman podcast with Shavaz Bikes, where everyday heroines bench press life's lessons. Hey, One Strong Woman, it's your girl Shavaz Bikes. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. It's kind of a bittersweet for me because this is the last episode of this year for One Strong Woman Season 1. But I will be back starting January with the new season, Season 2. So I hope you uh, look forward to that and uh, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and an early uh, Merry Christmas to you and Happy New Year. Uh, This week, I'm going to highlight a One Strong Woman She's more of a a watchman, uh, prophetic teacher. Um, Her name is Dr. Joyce Wallace, one of my mentors who I admire, I love. I'm part of her ministry called Scepter's Ministries International. Um, Her and her husband, um, part of this, they founded this ministry about 16 or 17 years ago. And this ministry, um, the the title or the tagline is uh, Touching lives and making a difference a small ministry with big impact and this ministry has a big impact uh, on the people here and in and where i am in kansas city but beyond and we have had the opportunity um, to go to brazil i was telling you guys that earlier and this is the ministry that i went with uh, septus ministry there's a ministry under septus ministries called Friends of Esther, and I'm a part of that staff where we have uh, gatherings, we call it, and it's based on Esther, the book of Esther, throughout the year, where women come from all over um, the, the, the world and the city to come to a little house in Butler and really just seek God's face, and if you're interested in that would you shoot me an email and uh, I'll refer you um, to come and just be in God's presence. You'll get to connect with other women who are seeking God. It's just a great time. If you are hungry and you need that time to just soak in his presence, then this might be uh, for you. And we do have um, openings. Um, the gatherings are March and April of next year. They're already packed because of a Brazilian. Uh, this, they're set aside for Brazilian gathering. But there are some in June. And there is August and September. So those are those are some of the dates. And I will also put those dates on the website. And you can reach out to me. And I will pass on your information. And you will not uh, be disappointed or regret coming and sacrificing uh, time and energy to seek God's face. And many people have been blessed. I personally have gone through this gathering uh, twice. So this ministry has really been uh, impactful and life-changing and has really made a difference in my life. So I, I am honored and glad to be a part of it and also for Dr. Joyce Wallace to be my mentor and you will get to hear uh, her teaching and I'm I'm sharing her teaching as a to highlight her as a one strong woman Um, and she taught on the thankful leopard 
and it was such a, a awesome message for me personally. Just um, just be, remembering to be grateful. We do have something to be grateful for, and no matter what we're going through in our lives, and things might not be going the way that we planned, <laughs> we can always look and see that there is something to be grateful for. And so I just want you to open your heart and your mind to hear this Thanksgiving message of being thankful. It's not very often, I mean, I love the word of the Lord, but it's not very often that I really get excited about a word. I, I, that's, not my, that's not my personality, though I love the word of the Lord. But when the Lord started speaking this word to me, I got really excited. One of the reasons I got excited is that the Lord has never given me a Thanksgiving message before. So this is the first time he's given me a Thanksgiving message. And the more I thought about it, the more I just love this word. And I went to sleep last night and I saw myself preaching this word. So I love this word. I love. And this is one of those messages that I want you to use all of your faculties, not just your ears. I want you to uh, hear with your eyes. I want you to hear with your nose. I want you to feel. I want you to sense this word deep down in your spirit because this is a sensory word. And it comes from Luke 17, starting at verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out to him in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God with a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, this is a story of a miracle that took place in the lives of 10 men that really needed a miracle. Now, I will share a little with you a little about leprosy. You probably know, you probably have some information about it. And it was a common skin disease a long time ago. And there are still some people in some parts of the world that have it, like in uh, Japan and China, South America, India, Africa. And leprosy is a terrible disease. I mean, you can tell a person has leprosy because generally there are sores all over their body. A person's skin literally begins to rot and begins to fall off their body. Many lepers suffer the loss of their extremities. They may lose their toes or their fingers. Uh, Leprosy is also very, very painful. And then connected with it was this awful putrid smell. And it was like the smell of rottening, decaying flesh. And it affected the nerve endings so that if you stubbed your toe, you wouldn't feel it. Or if you, some hot water was spilled on you, you would not feel it. It takes about 30 years for leprosy to run its course. And in that time, it seems like a person is literally dying piece by piece as the different parts of their body begin to fall off. 
Leprosy is very contagious, and so it's easy to catch just by touching someone or touching something that someone has touched. You can become infected. So that was one of the reasons in the Bible days where lepers were quarantined. They were removed from their communities and they lived, sometimes they banded together in what was called leper colonies. As long as the person had leprosy, they had to remain isolated from everybody else in the community, from their family, from their friends, from their loved ones, um, from uh, they couldn't go to the temple. So they were literally outcast. If they were married, they could not hug their spouse. If they had children or grandchildren, they wouldn't celebrate birthdays with them or they wouldn't be able to hold them. They could never go to church or we would say they would never be able to go to the temple. So even though leprosy changed the physical aspects of a person's life, it also affected them socially and emotionally as well. A person with leprosy would shout when they came within a certain distance of a person, unclean, unclean. Now imagine having to say that about yourself several times a day when people came, started coming near you. Imagine how to re- having to repeat unclean, unclean about yourself that often. When they were walking someplace where there were people um, uh, that did not have leprosy, they were told to stay 100 paces uh, from a person that was not infected with leprosy. So Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and he came to this unnamed village on the border between Galilee and Samaria. Well, he was at the border because lepers were not allowed in the communities. They were allowed on the outskirts of the city. So he was crossing the border so the lepers would be there. Apparently, they knew that he would be traveling in their direction, and they were waiting for him en route. And I wonder, if somebody told you that Jesus was passing by, would you show up? That these men were desperate, knowing that he was their only hope, and that the only hope that they had was this Jesus of Nazareth. So we're still trying to figure that out. We're still trying to figure out what is truly our only hope. Because we can put our hope in a person, we can put our hope in the government, we can put our hope in a job. But these men, their only hope was Jesus. They really knew that they didn't have any other hope. Now we can sing about it, we can mouth the words, we can do that. But these men actually knew that their only hope was in Jesus. And so they were desperate. Only he could cure a disease like this. Now the only record that we had... Uh, up until Jesus came on the scene of lepers been healed were two in the Bible and that was Naaman and that was Miriam and both of them were miraculously healed by the power of God so but we know something about our Lord we know that he's very deliberate that he doesn't do anything by chance that he when he does something he needs must go through Samaria he knows where he's going his goings and his comings have purpose So when he's on the border between Samaria and between Galilee, he knows exactly why he's there. So he meets the lepers where they meet him. Did you hear that? He meets the lepers where they meet him. So he wants to intersect with us. He wants to meet us no matter where he's going. He wants to meet us there. Do you hear that? No matter where he's going, he wants to meet us there. 
And so he's very deliberate and he ends up in this place. And so they cried out to him. The Bible says they lifted up their voice. They cried as one person. And I thought, oh, my Lord, if the church would lift up her voice, if the church would cry out as one person to God, yes, crying in unison, calling up on the name of the Lord, beseeching him for deliverance, praying for salvation for my enemies. You see, they forgot their differences. There's something about being in a crisis that causes you to forget your differences. Okay, was some Samaria? some Jewish uh, some may have been rich in their lifetime or some may have been poor but they had a common crisis it didn't matter what you used to be it didn't matter about what title you used to have it didn't matter where you used to live it didn't matter at that point what religion you were it didn't matter what group you belonged to when there was a crisis they lifted up their voice as one they cried out to him in unison Church, can you get the picture? Your voice may be weak. My voice may be weak, but together our voice has strength. And God is looking for the church to cry out to him in one voice, to beseech him in one voice. On the day of Pentecost, they were together in unity, on one mind and one accord, lifting up their voice to the Lord. And what happened? The spirit of the Lord came in. set up on them like fire and all of them were filled do you want all to be filled in the church then lift up your voice as one and call upon your God so their voices had been affected by the disease so crying out as one together made their voices stronger. I want you to see them. I want you to see Jesus walking. I want you to see the 10 lepers and see them, hear them crying out to him. I want you to smell the stinking flesh. I want you to see the sores upon them. They said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And that term master, as it's used here, recognized him not only as a great teacher, but recognized him as a powerful authority, a powerful man with authority. They recognized that he had authority. They recognized that he had power. So not just a great teacher, but someone who could do supernatural things. And when he saw them, uh, they called unto him. And when he saw them, now you have to recognize that God does not see like man sees. God does not see. So when the Lord looks upon you, when he looks upon a person, it comes from a place of compassion. It comes from a place wherein he looks upon you because he intends to do something about what's going up on you, going on with you. That's why they would say, look upon us, O Lord. That's why they would pray hide not your face from us oh God they would pray those prayers because God when he looks upon you it's not like um, uh, in the Bible when there was a story of the Samaritan and and some looked upon him and they walked across the street or they looked upon him and they kept on walking no 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 God's not like that when he looks upon you he looks upon you because he intends to do something about 
about what's going on in your life. He intends to bring change to your condition when God looks upon you. So Jesus looked upon them. They got his attention and he didn't move toward them. He responded from where he was. Master, Jesus, have mercy on us. And he calls back to them. Go show yourselves to the priest. Now, under the Old Testament law, as recorded in the book of Leviticus, these were the instructions that were given to lepers. If for some reason they were miraculously healed, and like I say, there were only two cases, but let's say it went into remission, they were to go to the priest. Now, the priest would sort of act like a health official. He would inspect the person's body, examine them closely for any sign of the dreaded disease. If no sign was there and uh, the disease seemed to be gone, the priest would confirm it, give them a clean bill of health, and he would release them to go back into their communities. They could go back and and live so-called normal lives. Now, what is different about this story is that Jesus told them to go to the priest before they were healed. Now, Leviticus says, after you're healed, go to the priest. Go see the priest, which makes sense. That's logical. That makes sense. But Jesus told them, go show yourselves to the priest before they were healed. Okay? So there was no evidence that they were healed. Nothing has changed. The sores were still there. The putrid smell was still there. But Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. Now, they could have said, this guy is crazy. Doesn't he understand the law? We can't go to the priest. We're not healed. Uh, I'm not going to you. Well, why didn't he just speak the word? And, or why didn't he just touch us? We've heard stories of what he did before. Mm, another disappointment. Maybe we're going to be stuck in this state forever. Well, maybe he didn't understand us. Maybe we need to ask him again for our healing. Maybe we need to shout a little bit louder this time. Maybe we need to remind him that we're still unclean. Maybe this is what we need to do. I don't know. Did they say those things? I don't think they did. Didn't seem like they did. Maybe their conversation went this way. Did he say, go to the priest? Well, yeah, he said, go see the priest. And we're not to go to see the priest until after we're healed. Yeah, that's right. After we're healed? After we're healed? Go see the priest after we heal? Then that means that you, that means that we, that means that we're going to be healed today. That means that we're going to be healed today. He said, after, 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 after you're healed, see the priest, we're going to be healed today. And you see the word mixed with faith entering into their heart and the word hits them and they started moving in the direction of the priest. Can't you hear? No evidence. They didn't have any proof. But at the same time, something had happened to them and you can hear the rhythm in each step. You can just hear the rhythm. We're going to be healed today. 
We're going to be healed today. We're going to be healed. We're going to be healed. We're going to be healed today. Help me, Louise. We're going to be healed today. We're going to be healed today. We're going to be healed. We're going to be healed. We're going to be healed today. When, brother? Gonna be healed. I'm gonna be healed. I'm gonna be healed today. When, brother? I'm gonna be healed. I'm gonna be healed. I'm gonna be healed today. When, brother? 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 When, brother? When, brother? I'm gonna be healed. I'm gonna be healed. I'm gonna be healed today. You see, he didn't speak an explicit word of healing. See them? They're stepping. Can you hear that sound? Can you feel the rhythm? Did you pick up the rhythm? He gave them a promise that could only be released through obedience. A promise that can only be released through an act of obedience. Don't you know that your promise may be waiting for a bold step of faith on your part? And it was literally a step of faith for them, a step in the direction of the priest. Pastor Andy Cook said this. He said, you cannot wait until the problems are over to start walking in faith. You cannot put conditions on holy God. You cannot say, Lord, as soon as there is enough money. You cannot pray, Lord, if you just solve this issue with my family. You cannot put conditions on God. Instead, God places them a demand for faith on us before anything at all has changed. Do you hear that? Oh, God, when I get through this depression, I will start seeking you. I'll start praying. God, if you save my children, then I'm going to do this. Lord, when I get these, uh, this bills paid, I'll start paying my tithes. You can't put a condition on a holy God. He says, start moving in the direction as an act of obedience. And as you go on your way, the depression lifts. As you go on your way, the finances start coming in. As you go on your way, your children are saved and delivered. As you take that act of faith, ask yourself, what act of faith is God asking me to take so that my situation can be changed? What in your life needs to be changed today? What step of faith is God requiring that you take? They wanted to get across the Jordan. He said, well, please step your feet in the water. Step in the water. If you want to get across, take an act of faith. Take a step of faith. And when they put their feet in the water, then the waters roll back. God may be asking you today to take a step of faith that may release your miracle. So 